And opening for Ted Nugent this year is a country artist? Really? We will find out all about this country artist on this edition of Chris Aiken Presents as I sit down with Rick Monroe from Rick Monroe and the Hitmen right now. It is Chris Aiken, and of course it is Chris Aiken Presents, and uh, I am excited to do this one today because it steps out of my comfort zone just a little bit. As, as you guys know, I am definitely a rock and a metal guy, and um, but I like a lot of everything. And um, when, I, when I saw that this guy was opening the, uh, the Detroit Muscle Tour with Ted Nugent, I, I have to be very honest, I did a little head scratch. I was like, huh, how can that be? So instead of me trying to take a guess at it, I figured we'd just get the man on himself. The band is called Rick Monroe and the Hitmen. Yes. And they, like I said, they are opening the Ted Nugent Detroit Muscle Tour. And here to talk all about it is Mr. Rick Monroe. Rick, how are you, man? Hey, what's up, Chris? How you doing? I am good, man. Well, well, Rick, like I said, it was a head scratcher when I saw you, saw you guys were opening. I, I've seen Ted a bunch of times, and it's, it's always with, you know, the – Ario Speedwagons of the world or Sticks or, right. you know, the, the bands that he kind of came up with, I guess. And, and certainly you guys are not that. But that being said, I, I can see where this could match in, in some ways. But I, I figured the best way to figure this out is to have you explain it to me. So, you know, first of all, welcome to the show. But second of all, um, Explain this to me, man. How does how does a guy who's been primarily known as a country artist get on with a guy that's primarily been a hard rock guy for you know forty years? You know, man, it's it's been really weird. And well, thanks for having me on the show for one. Um, the other one is it's just weird because we we seem to branch out on all kinds of different things. I mean, we've opened up for the Oak Ridge Boys, and we've opened up for Saliva. We've opened up for you know Patty Loveless and queen's right and so i don't our band seems to be able to kind of float in a different world and i kind of think that now genres aren't as specific as they used to be sure but if you went we jokingly went around the band recently and everybody kind of said their first three song like first three artists that they would think of you know and it's just so bizarre the mix that goes on in our band and um so i think we uh yes yeah, so i think we kind of transcend the, the basic general genre and the album we just did, we worked with a guy named Malcolm Springer and Peter Collins helped adv advise on it. So, I mean, I think that also brings us more into the rock world that way. And it's funny you mentioned those bands like REO and stuff like that. A lot of the new, our new album is kind of like a country version of those bands. A lot of harmonies, a lot of big guitars, sure. a lot of stuff that people aren't doing right now. Right on, man. And, and, and you know, you're so right about the, the line being blurred. I mean, it, even as, as recently as like 20 years ago, there was a distinct line. I, I think you put Garth Brooks in the middle of it because he was yeah. the guy that kind of kind of teetered on both sides, but everybody else fell on one side or the other, where now you take 
you take an artist like, I don't know, Carrie Underwood, I'll just throw one out there. Right. It's hard to define. I mean, I guess she's technically a, a country artist, but is she really? I mean, she's yeah. a pop artist. She's a rock artist. She's on on stage with Guns N' Roses last week. So, right. you know, I really do agree with you that the line has definitely blurred itself greatly in in modern day. Well, I kind of think because everybody has playlists and everything's just completely crazy. So uh, you you almost have to create music now as if you were doing a playlist. I think mm -hmm. it's for a band, you have to create music that's, that's going to rise above everything else because there's so much noise out there. So you just want to write the best stuff and make the best music and not really worry about where to market it because we're so fragmented that I don't even think the marketing is as easy. Like it used to be able to, yeah, you go, this is a rock band. We know we can put them on these rock stations and we're going to do this. You know, and it used to be, this is a country band. But now, you know, country, it used to be like rock was ABBA to ZZ Top. Sure. That's kind of what country has become now too. It's it's from like, you know, everything from, I don't know, like like what we kind of do, Blackberry Smoke to, you know, Florida Georgia Line and, and Super Pop. It's just weird. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. And like I said, we just try to create the best material that we possibly can that's going to connect with people. Absolutely. Hopefully it doesn't matter what they're into. If we connect with them, they're going to love it. Sure. And you, you know, the other thing that I think has changed, you know, stylistically is, and this is on the fan side of it, but it certainly helps an artist like yourself. When I, I'm 53 years old. So I, you know, I, I grew up in that eighties era and you were defined by your music. If yeah. you were a metal guy, you were a metal guy. If you were a country guy, then you better not show up unless you were wearing jeans and a, and a cowboy hat. You know, if you were a metal guy, you showed up somewhere, you better have a, a leather jacket and studs on it. And st I mean, the genres defined the personalities. I don't think that's the case now. I think I think terms like guilty pleasure have kind of gone away now because because of the fact that music is completely on demand. I think it has really shown that a lot of people like a lot of different stuff that they're not as likely to keep in the, keep hidden as they used to be. Is that right. fair? Yeah. Like when I listen to Harry Styles, I don't feel that bad anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, exactly. Maybe a little bit. No, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny too. It's, it's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword too, because it used to be that people were so invested in a band because you used to have to wait for an album. You used to have to wait to get something you didn't, you, you had to really, like, if you want to go to a concert, you have to wait in line. There are people who are now waiting in line for people. And you pay mm -hmm. them to do that. It's pathetic. But but the problem is, is people are invested. You know, if you don't like a song, you can just go to the next one. And if you're streaming, mm -hmm. it's not like you had to go out and buy that song and then learn to like that band. You just go, eh, next. You say right. movies, same with everything. I mean, it's good because people are more diverse, but it's bad because I don't think people get as, in, like, invested into something as they used to. So... You got to try to find that that happy medium of connecting with people, getting them invested, and and whether that be through kind of creating more of a the person or, or letting people see more of your personality, kind of has become a big part of being a musician more so than just I'm super cool, I play guitar. That's all you need to know. Right. No, you're right, man. Well, well, Rick, you are obviously, or maybe not obvious to everybody, but to me who read your bio and and researched a little bit. You are a guy that is definitely not a stranger or a newbie to this world at all. I mean, you've been doing this for a lot of years and you've played some humongous shows. Talk a little bit for people that don't know about your career and, you know, some of these, some of these achievements, because 
I'll tell you, when I saw Mikhail Gorbachev's name in a bio, I was like, whoa, I got to I gotta ask that one, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, my brother always used to call me Elvis Gump because I just stumble into <laughs> the craziest things. Well, I was doing Voice of America, and the main lady who did it um, took me over um, over to do some like some some touring to, to Russia. And um, I ended up getting an opportunity to do a private concert for Mikhail Gorbachev. And then I went and I raised money for his orphanages over in Russia. So it was pretty weird. It was like me and like 40 other people on the USS uh, Sequoia going up and down the Potomac doing vodka shots and me singing to uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. So yeah, it's, I have the weirdest things like that happen. And yeah, it's just, yeah, um, I mean, it was definitely a, an amazing thing. When I went to Russia, I actually got to play uh, on a theater on Arbot Street. and There was 100,000 people in the street. And I played with the full Russian orchestra and crazy. You know, it's yeah. pretty surreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the craziest thing about it is, I mean, you could line up the biggest bands in the history of the world, really, and not all of them can say that they ever played or met a world leader. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's when you when you think about it on those terms, you know, have the Rolling Stones met a world leader? Have the has Metallica played for a world leader? I mean, it's it's such a small number that can probably say that. That's you know, that's that's definitely got to be one of those things where you just scratch your head and you're just like, wow, you know, how does this happen to me? Yeah. One of these days I should write a book, I think, because I've done some like like even the other thing, too, is um because of Voice of America, we got to go over to Vietnam when they were signing the um, the trade agreement. So it was like Pete Peterson and John McCain. And we, we did like we sang the Star Spangled Banner for the first time in like 40 years. And I was like, yeah. that was pretty crazy. Um, and I got to have like get a, get a tour of the Hanoi Hilton from John McCain and Pete Peterson personally. Wow. Um, crazy stuff like that. Like I said, I'm Elvis Gump. I literally just and I just walked through. I'm like, hey, cool, nice to meet you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and so I then yeah, and the bands and the people I've been able to tour with is is pretty extensive. So yeah, it's it's pretty amazing um, the people I've, I've had the fortunes to come across. Sure. Now now, Rick, one of the things that I saw that you do and have done and. I will tell you that this that this next bit is going to come as somebody that appreciated this to no end when I was in the service is that I saw that you do a lot of stuff with the USO. Yeah. And what would be anything I, we can do for that? Yeah, it's such a such a unheralded cause, I I'll say. And, and I'll just tell you as somebody I was in the service stationed in Korea from 87 to 89 and nothing made made any of us happier than when the bands would come over there because we were so disconnected from home, right? you know, that, that to have a little piece of home come and, you know, play for us and, 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 you know, for people that have never experienced it, and you can probably attest to this, it, it's not just the performance. It's you play the show, but then you go and you kind of hang with this. Every band I ever I ever saw over there they came and they hung out with the soldiers and just you know were were thankful to us for doing our job as right. as much as we were thankful there and it, it it really was for us anyway it was like the biggest greatest thing that we had to look forward to talk about your experiences going over and playing for the USO because you you've obviously done it also during you know a time when the, when we've had soldiers at war where you know, I was in peacetime and I loved yeah. it. I can't imagine what these guys that are in, you know, in the real shit are going through when they see something like this. It's crazy. And thank you for your service, by the way. Um, sure. It's it, it was like the weird things that happened. Like one time we were playing uh, on a base 
and the commander comes up and he's all you know you know how just like all rigid they are they're like hey <laughs> um, sorry you didn't have a lot of people here but they're uh they're shooting mortars into the base tonight I'm like, Jesus. We're even, why, why are we playing a show when they're shooting into the base? He's like, right. well, you know, and there's great because, you know, if you know, like the big M, M, is it MWR tents or is that what it is? Oh, yeah. MWR, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, like, they have these huge tents and people work, and guys are working out while we're playing and everything. And they're just like, yeah, it's just, it's great. And then he's like, he's like, so we're going to have to hot load you into the Chinook in the dark. Here's some, here's some um, night vision goggles. Good luck. And <laughs> we go running out. <laughs> And I was just like, it was, that was crazy. We had so many great experiences with, um, I'm mean, the first time we ever did one. It was down, we were down range. And so everybody had live weapons. They all show up and I walk out. There's like a thousand people with M16s and all that. And I look at the guy, I'm like, ah, I'm like, I love guns, but it freaks me out. And he's like, everyone, throw their weapons. And all of them. <laughs> like, That's better. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad they're here, but do they all have to be holding them? <laughs> sure. <laughs> So well, I, that was just, I mean, and of course, and yeah, the best thing is that you get to go, you go eat with everybody, you hang out with them, you you mm -hmm. do, you know, you try to do it. If we, like when we did one um, base, it was actually UN base, you know, it was really cool because all the, the UN bases had like all the different countries and they all had little bars and, and these, they took these containers and turned them into bars. Sure. So we like literally went from like Germany to somewhere else and just hung out. And, but I mean, our troops, I mean, it's, I love I love anything we get to do and we'll do USO stuff at home. We've done a couple of Christmas shows for family members with, with uh, somebody deployed. That's mm -hmm. amazing too. It's nothing better than just seeing the families that are there. Cause everybody's serving, you know, sure. whether, you know, the family's serving just as much as the person that's out there. And um, so anything we can do on any of that, that's why we do stuff. You know, we were doing folds of honor. I mean, any, any kind of military thing that we can do, we're always, you know, big on doing. Sure. And, and, you know, the unique thing just from a, from an audience standpoint is, and I, and I know this to be true as somebody that went, you don't have to be a fan of the band or the music to go to these things. Like, you know, I, I went to one, I went to several country ones. I went to see America one time, you know, and I mean, yeah. even, I mean, this was in the eighties, but still America was an old band in the eighties. It was like my dad's music. But, but I was like, yeah, I'm there and, and you know, and I went and it, and it was such a, such a good, a good vibe thing. I don't, I don't know how else to, it, it's different than a concert. You play a concert here, you see the music, you go home with the music over there because we were so separated from, you know, Western world in Korea. It was, it was a get together. It was a true, like a backyard barbecue or a bonfire type of a thing. It was a really special communal thing for us in the service and, and the bands that we all saw. And some of them were fairly big bands. I mean, like fog hat and whatever that came over and they would jump off the stage and just come and shake every hand and take every picture. And I'm sure you did the same thing, man. Oh. It's, it's, it's a great it's an un, it's not only a great thing, but I've said this all the time. It's one of the most unrecognized things that bands do, you know, that, that should get a lot more attention because it's very important to the troops. Right. Well, I mean, to me, I think, and, and I, I'm glad to see though a lot of bands do it because they, they want to do it because for nothing other than the fact of doing it. And, um, and the biggest thing is, is we wouldn't be able to do what we do if y'all didn't do what you did. Right. So, I mean, that's the least, I mean, that's like the least that we can do, you know, is to try to do something like that. And, it, and there's, there's so many other things like that, that with our platforms and, you know, musicians, you know, should, can be doing good things in the world like that.
Right on, man. Well, I'll tell you what, Rick, let's uh, take a little break to introduce people to some of your music, and then we'll come back and talk about this Ted Nugent tour that you're on. Um, you've got this video out right now for World Gone Crazy. It's a great video. It's a lot of fun. Uh, why don't you tell people about it, and then we'll give people a taste. Well, the, the funny thing is, is we actually, we were trying to get one more song for the record. Malcolm's like, man, you need, you need a rocker, man. You, just, you need to get a good rocker in there. And I'm like, all right. So I'm sitting here, and my, my bass player, who I co-write a lot of stuff with, trying to find a song and um little nas x that that video of him doing a lap dance for the devil yeah i was like i said to my best friend i said have you seen this and he's like no we watch it i'm like fucking world's crazy like we've got <laughs> we've lost our shit we're right. completely you know and i said this this right here is what's wrong with like the world in general <laughs> like and he started laughing at me and that that ended up becoming the, the you know the spark that created that song and the video we actually shot and edited all ourselves, all in-house, the band. And we did it at the bass player's family has a, a feed um, place up in Kentucky. And so we just, and we pulled in there at night and we're just like, I don't know where we want to do it. And as soon as I saw the vehicle lights shining in, I'm like, we're right. doing it right here. The moment we lit the fire, it started to rain. So like all the rain, all the fire and everything, just it all worked out. It was just one of those things. And um, yeah, so we did the song of the record. We shot the video ourselves, trying to, capture that old time like rock and roll fun of a video right you know? on. right yeah. on. well you definitely did that so why don't we share a little bit of it with the fans so check it out it is world gone crazy from rick monroe and the hitman right here on chris aiken presents crazy brand new stuff from rick monroe and the hitman and we are talking with rick monroe who is uh i guess you're in between jumps with ted nugent at this point you played a few shows with ted and then you go back i think you start back up in pittsburgh um near the middle of august uh yeah august so, 9th is our first yes. day back. so i guess let's start there um talk talk a little bit about how the shows have been so far the ones that you've played well they've been amazing they've all been sold out which is cool and Ted, Ted was great. Like the first night, comes up to me, he's like, "I don't know, man. You got some, you got some like Motown or something, you know? Motor You're not a country artist, man. I don't know. <laughs> he just started, and uh, he, he gave me some. And then, and then he was, um, I was funny when he first met my guys in my band. I wasn't there, and they're like, 
which one of you is Rick? They're like, not us. He's like, good. I don't like singers anyways. Who's the guitar player? (laughs) (laughs) And um, he's just, he's been super gracious from the get go. Um, It was really cool because the very first night was his wife's birthday. So I think everything started off on a good note because of that. Um, And all the shows we did with him were great. And his, his crew has been amazing. The fans have been outstanding. They're, you know, I mean, yeah, because we are, we're, you know, we're definitely different than maybe what they're used to seeing. So um, the fact they've been so responsive has been pretty amazing. And sure. we can't wait to get back out, you know, and it's it's really good. You know, we've, we've just, um, yeah, we're just, we're looking forward to getting out. And the next run is going to be way more grueling because we're doing like seven, eight days in a row, then a day off and then another couple of days. And then we also break off to do some of our own dates. Then we come back and then we got like festivals and stuff we're doing in September. And then we're going to Switzerland. So the next... Uh-huh. Three months of our lives, starting August eighth, are going to be busy. Sure. Now, is this is is this tour the Ted Nugent tour? Is this different from what you'll do away from Ted Nugent? As far as will you play more rocked up music now, and then maybe more country music on some of the other on some of the other dates away from Ted? Well, yeah, we we we've been thinking about like the different things that we would do. Um, we definitely have set like this. This set is like our first opening song is a song called Devil that's not released yet. And the other one's Bad Stretch the Road. And both those are really heavy. Like Bad Stretch, I wrote with a guy who writes with Three Days Grace. And okay. it was like, and I wanted a Three Days Grace country song. And we got one. So nice. it's pretty it's pretty badass. And then and then we kind of, you know, the, the most country thing we do is a song called Cocaine Cold and Whiskey Shakes. And then um, we do a cover of Ace of Spades that we've done for years, um, which nice. is, which I'm, I'm going to say Jim Florentine, told me that, uh, let me say that was one of his favorite versions before he oh, passed. Nice. So that was pretty cool. You know, you know Jim Florentine, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, guys, yeah, I just want to tell you, man, just that day and all that, uh, Lemmy loves that song. I mean, God, come on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so, uh, awesome. And then, um, you know, we've, we've, we've been talking about switching it out, but it's funny because um, Ted's uh, production guy's like, dude, this set works really well. And um, we have a we closed with a song called Gypsy Soul, which is kind of an all out can't you see kind of southern rock anthem thing. But we start okay. with Seven Bridges because our, our harmonies are a big thing between us, the, you know, the three front guys. So, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when we do our own stuff, we probably will bridge into a little bit more of our lighter stuff. But I mean, we only have 30 minutes. So I want to make sure I punch you in the teeth as hard as I can for 30 minutes to make sure you remember who we are. Right on. You know, I mean, you get that opportunity, and you know, Ted's going to come out and be bombastic and loud. Right. What's he, what's he called? The 2022 Clusterfoot Bombastic Loud, you know? <laughs> right. He calls it flame throwing um, barbecue blues rockers or something. It was his name. Sure. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, well, Rick, obviously, man, uh, and it's no secret, Ted comes with a lot of social and political baggage. And and I'm not asking you to comment at all on, on politics at all, because, yeah. you know, I don't want to get into all that. But what I'm curious about is how do you avoid Ted's baggage getting attached to you by just by proxy of playing with him? Well, you know, I actually thought I'd get a lot more blowback. Well, I mean, like the press, we've had a lot of, we've had a, a lot of big press people that used to kind of like do a lot of things for us won't touch us on this one. Okay. They, just, they just are like, yeah. And I'm like, whatever. I mean, that's, that's your own thing. But I mean, politics and music should be completely separated unless you want it. And that's Ted's thing. And he's mm-hmm. a character. So if, if you're going to let him really bug you out by the way he is, then I don't know. That's, that's, that's your own thing. Right. I, I just, I personally, I, I don't like to be political with music just because that's me. 
sure. I just want to let my music speak for itself. But um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've gotten a little bit, but so far it doesn't seem that, you know, we've had, I mean, so far, I mean, we've only done four shows, but we'll see. Um, you know, and I mean, there's like, there's like one thing I, I do know this much. You don't put comments on, um, on, uh, on any of the events that are coming up because people <laughs> <laughs> don't tear you up. But luckily it's all, it, it may, all the slings and arrows are pointed at him and he doesn't seem to care. So right. you know, whatever. And we just do our job. And it's just, you know, I mean, it says I would go out on the road. Politically, I would go out with anybody as long as I thought their music was good and I enjoyed what they were. So, I, you know, we do try to steer clear from that. Right on. And, and, and you, you need to. I mean, to, to pick a side basically limits your entire career. That's what that's been my thing about everybody being political now is no matter what side you pick, you kill half your audience. No, no yeah. matter what, what your opinion is on anything, the minute you voice it, you, you screw yourself over. Right. And it's also my opinion. And you know what they say about opinions? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, and they mostly all stink. So yeah. why, why do that? And and you're right. And I, my man, I was always, when I was coming up, I was always taught, one, you play like it's, whether it's ten or 10,000, you play the same every night. You give it mm -hmm. everything. Because to me, people, when they come see a band, this is just maybe I'm being, you know, you know Pollyannic about it. But they spend a lot of money. They spend money to come to a show. They spend money to get a babysitter or whatever it is. And they, yeah. they spend a ton of money to get in. They spend a ton of money to park. They spend a ton of money to get drinks and to buy merch. All that shit piles up. And then they're there with you. What do you want to do for them? Make them forget about all of that. Mm -hmm. I, want them to, I want them to sit there and be like, ah, this was awesome. What a great feeling. And not think about any of the, you know, the bullshit that they're dealing with in their lives. Have right. that moment to escape. And then once I've given them that, then to me, that's my job. That's my job. It's not my job to get up on stage and rant and rave about shit that I don't like, you know, whatever. I don't know. That's, it's, that's me. A guy like Ted though, that's in like interwoven into who he is. And, I, and it's fun. Actually, I cracks me up every night. So I mean, I mean you know, and he's, but I, you know, and vice versa. I know guys are the other way. So. Sure. Well, and, and that's the thing is that there's a couple of guys, there's a few guys that have been able to make it work for them. Rage Against the Machine, obviously Ted, Kid Rock. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's some that make it work, but the overwhelming abundance of people that are super vocal, it is not working for them. It's, it's hurting them. And it's probably best to kind of let, even when you're on a tour with Ted, it's probably best to just say, Hey, that's what he's saying. Here's my next said. song. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, I mean, yes, I'm a patriot. I do love our country. And sure. I mean, obviously there's certain things that you're going to know kind of who I am somewhat, but I'm mm -hmm. also not monolithic and I'm not, I'm not a person that's like completely singular. So, you know, I think to, to I think any artist, if, if you try to like limit them to that, I think you're, you're missing out on a lot of things, you right know? On. And so, uh, yeah, is it, is it was, it was definitely something because we, we were actually, we had dates either with Tesla or Ted Nugent and, um, there were more with Ted, and I was like, I really want to go out with Ted, just because I just right. thought we, I, my brother, when, you know, who passed away a couple of years ago, was a huge Ted Nugent fan. So okay. he's looking down, just going, I can't believe this. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, man. Well, Rick, obviously, man, you are out there on the Detroit Muscle Tour with Ted Nugent. Uh, dates begin again on August the 9th. And uh, where should we tell people to go to keep up with you, hear new music, actually buy music. And I'm going to stress that like I do in every interview, yeah. buy music. Don't just stream it, buy it. Yes. Uh, so where should we send people to buy music and keep up with you and tour dates and all that? 
Well, I mean, rickmonroe.com is basically a great page that gives you all of our different, you know, outlets. So that way you can get that. And then there's, um, you know, our shop is on there for merch and all the other stuff. And then um, obviously iTunes, Amazon Music, all that stuff is there. We're, we're contemplating doing, um, we have one CD, like all of the CDs we've ever done, now everything's digital. Although we are looking at doing, for the new album that we haven't really put out, we might be doing some vinyl and some other stuff. Okay. But we'll put that online or it'll be at the shows. Come out and see us. Main thing is come see us. I think that's. I think we're a band that really translate well live. And we love, we love the audience and they seem to like us back. So, Well, there you go. Perfect. Well, one more time. It is Rick Monroe and the Hitmen. RickMonroe.com is the website where you can find all those dates to see these guys live. And Rick, I want to thank you again, man. Thanks for joining me here on Chris Aker Presents. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.